Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mm, let's get ready to rumble! He's the fastest man on the planet. He did go up there, Rabbits. Yes, yes, Magic Round done and dusted. Uh, Peter Valandi saved me nearly $1,200 in flights, accommodation tickets to go watch that debacle of a round. And uh, the man that I'm joined by on the line, I was going to go watch it with him. But uh, yeah, Joe, mate, glad that I didn't go. Yeah, me too, mate. Save some money. Uh, not a very entertaining weekend at all. Very frustrating for for pretty much everybody involved. Um, How did you feel about the weekend? Mate, frustrating for fans, frustrating for coaches, frustrating for uh, officials, players as well. Uh, a lot of people are going to be put, putting the finger at the officials this weekend, but uh, I think the issue comes from higher up, mate. So I don't think the ref bashing is warranted this week. But in terms of Supercoach, uh, I think a lot of people were were hanging out for, for their captain in the last game of the round. Nathan Cleary will we'll scratch the surface quickly, but a new Supercoach record, 200, and I think it's 46. Um, yeah, simply incredible from, from Cleary. Blows the record out of the water, uh, set by Cody Walker of 203. I mean, I didn't captain him. You didn't captain him. Uh, it was a tough watch watching that, wasn't it? Oh, big time. I mean, I woke up this morning. I didn't captain Chom Trevoy, but I still had my captaincy open. Looked at today's games and I sort of thought about Isaiah Papali, obviously versing his old team in the Warriors. I thought he was probably put a bit of a number on him. Put the captaincy on Isaiah Papali, which is incredibly painful to say. I think he went for 46 and then sitting there and watching the Panthers. I, I go, as everybody knows, I'm a massive Panthers fan and I was in pain watching that game. I did not enjoy that very much at all. Uh, a few calls there that were just terrible and obviously uh, watching Cleary pop off for the record, not having captain on him uh, when pretty much every po- everybody I know did. Uh, very sad. The whisperer curse lives on, mate. I, uh, I brought Papali in this week and uh, I ruined it for everyone. So... Uh, that lives on. Mate, I, uh, like I said, I brought him into it. wasn't fantastic, but clearly he didn't captain him. Uh, posted on my Facebook that I thought I was an absolute genius when I captained Tedesco and he popped off. And yeah, clearly made us look like fools. I said in my captain's preview uh, during the week that I wasn't a huge fan of Cleary this week for captain because statistically the Titans only conceded about 53 points to halves and clearly scored that in about the first seven minutes. And it was all downhill from that, mate. But I guess uh, the people are here to, to hear about the roundup and, First game of the week, I'm very happy to be after this. The Tigers, Mike McGuire, coach of the year. 36, defeating uh, the Newcastle Knights, who are hopeless without Kalen Ponga and Mitchell Pierce, 18. I guess the, the talking points in this, Adam Dewey, even though he shifted to centre, still pumped out 114. Uh, you and I talked about him a couple of weeks ago, and I was I was ready to pull the trigger, but named it centre this week, but didn't really seem to face him, did it? No, not at all. And I think it had a lot to do with the competition that he's facing. Newcastle looked absolutely dreadful. Uh, obviously, the new rules in place this round has just flipped everything on its head. So you can't really, you don't don't really know what to expect. I think Adam Dewey is just the, the kind of bloke that's uh, eyes up footy and we really saw the result of that. Mate, I've been calling Adam Dewey the poor man's Jack White for about four weeks now. Are we, are we happy to, to reverse that? Is uh, Jack White the poor man's Adam Dewey? Oh, it's certainly looking that way at the moment. Uh, Raiders were absolutely awful this week as well, weren't they? Far out. 
Uh, yeah, it's scraped by there. Um, apart from Adam Dewey, mate, Luke Brooks with uh, with a 78, uh, Tommy Talao with a 74, James Tymer with a 55, a 57. That's about all to talk about from the Tigers. Uh, Tyson Frazeltliners were sweating it until some junk time right at the end, thanks to Connor Watson. He pumped out a, uh, a 73. I think he was on about 40-odd until that tries. So that helped. My pick for New South Wales, number nine, Jaden Braley with a 72. Um, mate, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty happy to say he's the buyer of the year. Uh, would you agree? Oh, he's certainly up there. I mean, he's looked consistent every single week. Uh, keeps pumping out these big scores. I think that trial at, at the end of the game uh, really really seemed to help Jaden Braley there. Jesus Christ, I almost had a stroke. Um, really seemed to help himself there. Towards the end, his score was not looking good after the first, what, like 50 minutes or so. But um, yeah, always seems to put up those big scores. Yeah, I mean, I think we picked him up for about 240k at the start of the year. And um, he's looked like a borderline keeper all, all season. Rick mixed him with Harry Grant or Reed Marnie. Um, Connor Watson was the one that fed that ball to Tyson Frizzell. Some junk time points for him. Uh, this Bradman best experiment, not going the way Newcastle wanted to. He's their best attack outside of Kalen Ponga, but shifting him to the wing. I, I didn't really understand that. Mate, what did you make of that? Yeah, we're not really seeing Bradman's best at the moment, but we're not really seeing uh, Newcastle's best at the moment either. They sort of look in all sorts. Their spine has obviously been juggled all season and uh, a bit of unrest there with a few players, I think, as well. So it's going to be interesting to see how it goes with Newcastle in the next couple of weeks and uh, through the origin period. I've said it to you off camera, mate, and I've said it to plenty, plenty of people that have messaged me. Uh, I think Mitchell Pierce goes slept on uh, continually. I understand they're missing Callum Ponga, but even with him back, they, they looked without uh, Pierce. They looked struggling, so... Yeah, not too sure where to go for, for the Knights here. There's plenty of teams pushing in for that top eight spot, and if they don't get their act together. Um, yeah, I do feel sorry for Adam O'Brien a little bit just because of the fact that he's not working with much, and he came into a club that was um, destined for failure with the three back-to-back spoons, and they've just got to change that culture around. Uh, some culture that needs changing, and it looks to be changing with the signing of Adam Reynolds. The Broncos uh, went down 50-6 to six against Manly Seagulls. I thought the Broncos had put up a bit more of a fight uh, for Magic Round, mate. Yeah, look, I wasn't convinced. We, we touched on this uh, throughout the pods last week and then uh, in our direct messages with one another. I always sort of thought Manly was going to go out there and put a pretty big big number on Brisbane. I could completely see where you're coming from there, obviously up in Suncorp, uh, opening up the Magic Weekend. But look, Broncos just look in all sorts. I still think that their team, there's just so much unrest in there. And obviously, again, new rules really affected them as well, having two in the sin bin at the same time. And from there, they just never recovered. I made a joke in one of my group chats after the first game and I was like, haha, do you reckon we'll see more than 15 send-offs this week? As a joke. And then that turned out to be pretty, pretty bang on. Look, some of them were warranted. I understand the Floyd Mayona one. Um, he should have been sent straight with, with the hit on Pappy. Like, I, I get that. The Josh Papali one, I, I sort of, I can understand that a little bit, like shoulder to the direct head. But some of those sending-offs, uh, I think it's, it needs to be looked at. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's just going to drive people away from the game. But you don't even have to look at the score for this Um Manly game to, to look at the Broncos output. I mean, Jermaine Asako top score with a 61. Herbie Farmworth with a 60. And no one else got above that. Payne Haas and Matt Lodge, 52 apiece. Kind of says this hail. Whereas for Manly, you've got uh, three guys over 100, two over 90. Tom Dravojevic with a 119. Uh, Daly Cherry Evans, who I think was best on ground with a 100. Uh, Jason Saab with a 100 as well. Uh, Morgan, so not Morgan Harper, Marty DePau with 94. And Ruben Garrett with 92. Mate, Manly are humming. Oh, certainly. I mean... To be fair, coming up against Brisbane and putting up a score of 50, you've got to be looking at some massive scores there. Their attack looks incredible, though. Uh, the biggest thing, though, for, for Manly is uh, it's going to be interesting to see how their defence comes together. Uh, last week, they obviously beat New Zealand there, but Tom Dravojevic was at his absolute best, and they were still 
uh, fairly competitive throughout the game and put up a, a fair few points against Manly. So I think if they can get their uh, defense up there with their attack, then they're going to be a top four team, in my opinion, with Tommy Turbo and that side. Yeah, it's, speaking on defense, mate, like it's it's entertaining for teams to score eight, nine, ten tries a game. Like that's great, but fifty to six, there's just no real enthusiasm to watch that from a fan's point of view, is there? Oh, absolutely, and it goes like pretty much with all the games this week, you know, and you never know who's going to get sent off. And if somebody gets sent off and not sin bin, like they actually get sent off, the game's a bit of a wash from there, isn't it? Like we saw that with the Panthers and the Titans. Whilst Penrith, I have no doubt, would have got the result anyways. It just ruined that game. Like for the rest of the game, you knew what was going to happen. And yeah, look, I this whole weekend, I think was just, there's something bigger at play. I think they were trying to rule out things and they'll sort of iron, it, iron everything out this week and make it a little less uh, severe and a little less savage like they have this week. Uh, but something's got to give this week was absolutely terrible. Yeah. Look, I understand all about uh, playing, protect, uh, playing, protecting player welfare. And I think we have to give the NRL an inch to, to make a mile here. I, I think it's going to get better. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not insane. You look, you look at the storm dragons game, like that, the dragons were competitive until halftime. And then um, just the, the disadvantage of having one man down really blew them out of the water. But I think the thing with, with Manly is the fact that like, both their edges of the field were humming. Like you've got Ruben Garrick, who's got a 92, Jason Saab, who's got a hundred. Uh, it's not just going down one side of the field, like someone like a Panthers or, or a Rabbitohs are like they're clicking on, on both fronts. And apart from that defense, man, I think they're a very, very scary side to look at. And uh, it just goes to show you how crucial that turbo is for, for origin uh, and for, for Manly as well. Like he just has such an impact uh, on the game. 18 to 20, the Raiders uh, get done by, sorry, the Raiders just get the job done against the Bulldogs in a, a very, very dull affair, wasn't it, mate? Oh, absolutely. And Trent Barrett's face was absolutely classic towards the end of that game. Fair think of it. It wasn't a good, like a good performance by either side. And like, obviously Ricky Stewart would have been uh, fairly happy to get the win there and very relieved to get the win. But at the end of the day, neither side would be real happy with that result. I don't imagine. Yeah. Look, this, this magic round was, uh, it was a tough watch, and this was one of the games. If I didn't have to make content, I uh, probably wouldn't have watched today's footy just because, yeah, just the writing was on the wall with, with all these rule changes. We'll, we'll harp on it, but, yeah, the Josh Papali um, sending off, it didn't um, it didn't derail the Raiders. It really boosted them. When they when they went a man down, they sort of rallied back. And uh, Caleb Bacon's put on a nice performance at fullback. He, he scored an 81. Curtis Scott with a 72. Uh, George Williams with a 68. But apart from that, it's just one of those games where, where not much happened, and yeah, it's just, there's, there's very, very little to talk about with this game. Luke Thompson with a 69. Uh, we're telling Zalesniak with a 64. But I think the problem with with trying to review games like this is there's very little uh, super coach relevant players in either side. But yeah, it's um, it's a tough watch for this game. Like both clubs are struggling, I feel like. Raiders on paper are a top four side. And I, and I had them coming fourth in my preseason um, ladder. But yeah, there's, there's very little to talk about here. The Bulldogs... We've said it every week, mate. They're, they're just rebuilding for next year, aren't they? Yeah, only person on the Bulldog side, like only player on Bulldog side that's worth a look is Luke Thompson. He's going to go out there and get you between 60 and 70 every single week. Uh, but yeah, very dull affair. And I just, I know I keep harping on about uh, obviously everything that we've seen this weekend, but why would you choose it to be on Magic Ground? Like this is the center stage for your regular season that's outside of State of Origin and the finals. Like, why would you decide to bring in these rule changes when you've got all the eyes on you? It's supposed to be a celebration of the game. All the fans are getting involved and you just go and change it. Like it's just, it doesn't make any sense at all. And again, it affected a game like this, which would have already been probably a pretty dull affair anyways. It just made it even duller. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. Like if you're going to, if you're going to change the rules, I get that, but maybe not on your marquee weekend for footy, but 
Yeah, we, we, we live and learn. We move on. The Sharks go down 22 to the Rabbitohs 32. I think Wayne Bennett will be happy to get the result here. Uh, in the scrappy game where the Rabbitohs sort of let the Sharks come back, top score by Will Kennedy with an 80 who continues to sort of pump out uh, great output. If Will Kennedy was any other position other than fullback in Supercoach, uh, I think people would snap him up. But the fact that that position is so stacked. Uh, Marlene Harotti with a 73. The Chad with a 71. Uh, Nakora with a 68 rounds out everyone over 60. As for the Sharks, mate, where do you see them heading? Look, Sharks look like they're reeling from the whole John Morris saga. Uh, we've obviously talked about this earlier as well, but nobody looks enthused. I think their senior players look over it. Uh, the younger players look frustrated with the older players and everything that's happening. And uh, you see players like a Will Kennedy out there busting his ass every week. And some of these older players out there, just yeah, they look a little bit short. And the team looks just dysfunctional at the moment. I think it's a, a bit of a rebuilding year this year. And then next year when Craig Fitzgibbon comes in, uh, things will start to start to change for the Sharkies. But look, I, I can't imagine they're going to be extremely relevant throughout 2021 mate fuck the Sharks super coach team can we just talk about the fact that Viliami Kikau stood up and played for them as well yeah apparently so so I've been hearing looks like oh, he was ordered that, off what, what about a chop from Fafita Jesus Christ that's uh I think for, I think Kikau can pull it off but it just looked out of place on, on Fafita yeah, it wasn't a good look, but man, Fafita is so fit at the moment, isn't he? Look, he's dropped so much weight. I know, obviously, we touched on that throughout the uh, the preseason as well, but that being his first first grade game, uh, seeing him up on the big screen, he's yeah dropped a ton of weight. He does. He looks very lean, which is uh, good for him because I think he was told to retire by John Morris, and obviously he's uh, proved him wrong a little bit there. So look, I think his best days are behind him, obviously, but he can still provide some kind of senior influence to the shark side and. Hopefully they can keep him around. I don't think he's a he's a starter anymore, but he could definitely provide some spark off the bench for 25, 30 minutes a game. Uh, oh, yeah. Damien Cook. Good... Sorry, mate, you go. I was going to say, how good was my call with uh, Adam Reynolds not playing on the weekend? That went yeah, down mate, the track, like, Supersonic. Like, he, yeah, he was out for, suspected to be out for like up to six weeks and um, superhuman by him to come back for this game. Yeah, fuck, mate. Made me look like a right fool. I just thought like, apparently out for four to six weeks, fractured thumb or dislocated thumb. And thinking that Adam Reynolds being the, the kind of player that he is seems to always get these random injuries. I thought, no way they're going to risk him against the Sharks and he suits up. Now, I was, yeah, did not expect it at all, but really good game by Benji there. Obviously, uh, Damian Cook had a really good game too. Jai Arrow got that meat pie there with an 83. Our favorite uh, player. Yeah, I know. Big Jai, Jai Arrow crossed the line. Talk about another play that we've been putting shit on and he goes out there and serves us. But uh, yeah, look, Jai Arrow, if Jai Arrow was starting, I. I and he had a few more minutes, I'd probably pick him up, to be honest. He, he's been, looked really good this year. Uh, but yeah, Benji, again, just the star. Those uh, try assists that he's putting on, he looks like he's in 2005 again. Yeah, that ball to, to AJ on the wing there was was phenomenal. But look, how, how much of a different side do South look with, with Reynolds in there? Oh, massively. It's it's like any team in the NRL at the moment. All, all the good teams have a good halfback and all the teams that are struggling don't really have their halves set. And you can literally look at so many examples of that throughout the league. But Adam uh, Adam Reynolds and the Rabbitohs is such a, a such a good good example of it. Uh, they just look shot to bits when he's not there. I mean, Keon Kulamatungi on that left edge is looking pretty lethal as well. He pumped out a 70 this weekend and, and had a couple of good scores in recent weeks. Cody Walker uh, with a 71. I'm pretty sure they get Latrell back next week. I think he would have served his suspension as well. But Damien Cook top scored this game 88. Uh, about time Cook, he did something. Um, yeah, struggling for form. In, in Supercoach and, and people that held him this long, then yeah, it's great to have a good score, but I'd be cutting ties with Cookie. Myself, personally, you've touched on the two halves there. Uh, apart from that, there wasn't much to talk about. I was uh, expecting a Dane Gagai masterclass, but it just looks like they're going to go to AJ more than uh, Gagai. So it's it's great. I was selling him next week anyway, but um, definitely after that game, when I thought he had a pretty favorable matchup. 
the Roosters get the job done against the Cowboys. And this is where I thought I was a, a wizard. 119 from Sesco, 110 from Crichton. Good to see him bounce back. Uh, another guy that I'm very, very, very keen on, Daniel Tupo with a 92. Um, yeah, were you happy with the Roosters' performance, mate, in a grind-out effort? I mean, I think Lockie Lamb's going pretty uh, underappreciated as well. Oh, for sure. Lockie Lamb had a really, really good game. Uh, Sammy Walker had a really good first half there. You can tell he's struggling as well with those injuries. But um, look, I still have TKO on my team. His new new name is Trapiaho. Um, he's, look, absolutely... You were pretty, happy, you were pretty happy with that one when you told me it, weren't you? Yeah, I was very, very big on Trapiaho. Look, I'm <laughs> I'm going to keep using it until he gets up at like some scores above 50 again. But 24, just absolutely shocking. I had uh, Paseca not playing on my bench this week as well, who ended with, I think, a 59 or something. So very sad days for Joey Boy. This week, I was so confident going into this week, thought I'd absolutely kill it. And I am reeling. Yeah, mate. Um, are we going to give any merit to Victor Radley? Like, is he worth picking up if, if he's going to continue being that direct ball player through the middle third? I mean, he picked up an 84 in the weekend. That was with some attacking stats, but we kind of expect those from Radley, don't we? Oh, for sure. And he's got the Broncos and the, the Raiders coming up as well. Um, he's sitting, what, what's he sitting at at the moment? The 300K, 349K. 349K with a 69 break even this week. He's got 84. So I would imagine he's around that 360K, mate, 365. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty big on Victor Adley for that. Uh, for that price, if you've still got somebody like a Jordan Ricky, uh, it should be a pretty easy swap. Ryan James as well. Another one that we didn't touch on in the Raiders game, but uh, Ricky Stewart's just not using him the way we want him to. Uh, yeah, and that's something that we've touched on again as well. Just players that are playing or forwards that are playing for the Raiders and not knowing their minutes. It's just too much inconsistency. You touched on Sammy Walker, mate. He is struggling with injury. I think we have him one more week and then we, we shift him on to to someone else to, to cover around 13. He's done his job. He's made some fantastic cash, but the inconsistencies is probably too much to have um, with the cash that he's going to generate. Uh, Brett Morris, 2.0, Matt Icavalli with a 67. If you guys picked him up a couple of weeks ago when we touched on him, um, you've reaped the rewards. I think he had 100 last week, 67 this week. Um, pretty great stuff. Yeah, Lockie Lamb with a 75. I'm not um, a draft podcast by any means, but if he's on your waiver wire in the draft, I'd definitely be looking at picking him up uh, to fill in a hooker void if you have that there. As for the drag- for the Dragons, as for the Cowboys, mate, um, drink water with 105. Reese Robson with a 76. Uh, Val Holmes with a 63. And that's about it. I mean, Javid Bowen uh, with a 58, but no one else above 50. And that's Tamalolo as well. Um, we did say wait on Tamla to see if his impact, if his input comes back, and it, it didn't. So, pretty happy we, we held off there, mate. Look, are we putting the lines with Tamalolo after one good week, or is it still another wait and see? I think Tamalolo is one that you're just going to keep your eye on throughout the season. If he gets down to a certain price, like we've seen Junior Paulo fall down to uh, the near sort of 400 Ks, um, I think if you could get Tamalolo something around there, I'd probably jump on him and take a punt again sort of situational wherever you're sitting on the ladder and what you're chasing if you're going for head-to-heads or uh, you are going for the overall but at the moment he's just not performing is he we touched on it last week we thought against the Broncos he was going to put in a big performance and we're right and then this week he's come out and he's versed a tough uh, tough opposition in the Roosters and just hasn't performed now we touched on selling Sam Walker before then mate and there isn't many halves to sort of fill the void with but one man who is playing great footy right now and and um Regal Campbell-Gillard hit the nail on the head here. He said, Mitch Moses is playing with an old head. And that's exactly what he's doing. Like he's just become a much more mature footballer, um, putting away that sort of highlight reel footy that we're, we're known for him, but um, consistently pumping out some good footy on the eye and, and putting out some good super coach scores. Put out a 99 on the weekend, mate. So Walker to Moses could be definitely on the cards. 
Oh, definitely. I think it's out of him or Jerome Hughes, or you could even look at somebody like a Georgie Williams. But um, look, that Mitchell, Mitchell Moses has come leaps and bounds over the last two years, hasn't he? He's come from that erratic sort of football player that you're not quite sure if he's a five-eight or a halfback. He sort of played like as if he was a five-eight, but was always in that halfback position. And now he's just become a pure halfback, uh, controls that team. And it, yeah, the, the Eels are really benefiting from that. You can see the forwards are, are benefiting from it as well. Regan Campbell-Gillard had an absolute ripper today. Yeah, uh, bursting through the middle, two tries for Regan Kemagilla. He scored a 90, but back to Moses, mate. No surprise he's working with Joey Johns and has become a much more composed footy player. There's uh, probably no one better to, to really control you. You were touched on him not being a 5'8 or, or a halfback. And in recent years, that's been fantastic for super coaches because he's, he's been able to put on those highlight real plays. But these performances are few and far between. But if you can string them together, uh, we could definitely put him back in that same breath as probably the best halfback that isn't named Nathan Cleary. Uh, Ryan Madison scored a try for himself and then butchered one to Blake Ferguson. Um, he scored a 68. Reed Marnie with a 66, thanks to that try assist. Uh, Nathan Brown with a try got to a 61. Micah Sevo continues to be a handful for opposition wingers. Um, just ran over the top of, uh, I think it was Rocco Berry. And look, he did everything he could, but he couldn't stop Sevo. Uh, Jake Arthur, or Jacob Arthur, I was really happy with him on debut, mate. I think he, he looked he looked good. So he scored a try, which helped his super coach score, but just on the eye test, I uh, didn't think he put a foot wrong and, and helped control that left side of the field. Yeah, I think he, he really complimented Moses' game as well. You could tell that Moses was the dominant half and he really looked like he knew it. I think there's been a, a bit of a dynamic or a power dynamic between Dylan Brown and Mitchell Moses over the last year because obviously Dylan Brown really burst onto the scene last year. Not saying that uh, that Arthur's going to take Brown's position at all, but I just I really like the way that they, they look together. Obviously, Moses had that massive score today and Arthur just uh, got to pick his times and go in and sort of choose when he was uh, inserting himself into the game. And yeah, he had a really tidy game. You hit the nail on the head there, mate. If if Brown wants to go off and be the, the leader of a team, he's definitely capable of doing it, but he's probably not going to be that at Parramatta. And if he does go, um, you've got a fantastic replacement here in Jake Arthur that um, only a couple of years ago, we were hearing reports of him lapping first grade teams in preseason, uh, like time trials. And it's great to see that he gained some footy. Clint Gutherson with the 55. I mean, I was really happy with this uh, based on some head-to-head matchups, but uh, I wouldn't say he wasn't involved, but he just wasn't, having that final impact on plays that he wanted. Um, yeah, look, Blake Ferguson, the week that um, Wanga Blake comes back, his score dips, but did bomb a try himself. But I'll no pass Blake's back again, isn't he? Yeah, Walker Blake, yeah, mate, he's done it again, hasn't he? He looks exactly like he did last year when uh, Blake Ferguson was out there and had probably his worst worst season of his career. But um, I, what, what do you think happens when, uh, what's his name? Sorry, Nakore, is that it? Yeah, Nakore, I, I don't know. Like, I, when he comes back, if it was me, I'd definitely be dropping one of Blake because he just he's a cancer to the left side of the field. But then again, uh, Ryan Madison also doesn't have a pass button either. I'd be interested to see Walker Blake on the wing. I think, well, well I think in, he has like about a two brain mold. cells. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I think he's... Yeah, he he doesn't seem like the most intelligent bloke I've ever seen. So it'd be interesting to see how he uh, sort of make reads on the def- defensive side of being a winger. But uh, in terms of him not having to pass, that's probably the one position that you're gonna you could chuck him in and not have to worry about it. I actually wouldn't mind him on the wing, to be honest. Like in that save mode, like we said, because he can just um, just run over the top of defenders, and he's got a big enough body and an athletic enough frame. But yeah, I think his defensive IQ is a bit poor, and, and attacking IQ is obviously not fantastic for uh, the people outside of him. The Warriors, mate. As a Queensland fan, it's exciting to see Reese Walsh carve it up. He's absolutely killing it, isn't he? Mate, between him and Sammy Walker, imagine being a Broncos fan and sitting there and watching these two blokes absolutely kill it and just looking at their team. Like, look at the money that you've just thrown at somebody like an Adam Reynolds. And while I understand, I understand why you've done it. Yeah, I think, just, I think oh, that's mate. more of a, it's, it's, 
that's not just a footy move. I think that's going to try and help that club moving forward. But I definitely understand what you mean. For sure. And like what would have helped your club move forward would be investing in those two blokes with that money. You could have literally split that money in half and given it to those two blokes and they probably would have stayed. Like it just, it doesn't make much sense, does it? Yeah. I mean, but yeah, it's exciting times. I mean, five years or so. I'm not saying that he'll- He's he'll a gun. I'm not, saying that he'll, a gun. I'm not saying that he'll do it. But if Cam Munster has a, has a dip in form over the next five years or so, we could definitely see uh, Ponga at fullback, Walsh, uh, Walker at six and seven, and Grant at nine. And that's a scary, scary spine for Queensland moving forward. Uh, yeah, I could look, see Walsh taking the fullback position from Ponga, 100%. Like, oh, Ponga is fantastic in attack. Yeah, Ponga is fantastic in attack, but his last line of defense is absolutely shocking. It's terrible. And I think Walsh, like, Walsh looks like he's got the capabilities in attack that Ponga does. So over the next couple of years, those two rivaling over that jumper is going to be very interesting. It's a fantastic pickup. And hopefully Walsh is available at center wing next year um, as well as fullback. Otherwise, that's going to be um, detrimental to, to us. Uh, people are going to look at Jazz Tavanga starting and see him pump out 68 and think, oh, wow, maybe he's a pickup. But I think he had a, a try assist and two line break assists. So that's 30 points or so in their attacking stats. I wouldn't be going near Jazz. Uh, Tohu Harris with the 64. I mean, that's kind of what we expect from Tohu, isn't it? Week in, week out. Another one of those Luke Thompson mold players that is just utterly consistent. Uh, Bailey Serenin with a 64 as well. Ken Mamalo with a 64. Uh, ben Murdoch Masilla grabbed a try for a 61. Josh Curran bagged a try for a 61. Uh, apart from that, there isn't much else to talk about. I think um, someone that's going to go really underappreciated this game was Shanil harris Devito. Him in defense and attack, I think he provides a lot for this side uh, that, that goes unnoticed when you've got Cody Nicarima as your other half. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, definitely. Between him and Nicarima, they're just explosive, aren't they? Obviously, Nicarima has been killing it this year. And I don't know exactly what he's averaging, but it's right up there. I think he might be in the top four, uh, five, eight halfbacks, but... Um, yeah, mate, between the two of them, over the next couple of years, if they can develop those two and then bring in Reese Walsh, the, the Warriors have got a, a really good future ahead of them, don't they? Yeah, definitely. But the, the problem is, how do you use Reese Walsh effectively uh, with also having RTS in your side? And they experimented with RTS on the wing a little bit and then moved to the centers. But Corey Parker said something during the um, the broadcast of today's game, and, and he, he suggested that they play RTS in sort of a middle third, more of that roaming 13 role. And I couldn't think of anything better uh, and anything worse for defenders. Can you imagine RTS coming at you in the 60th minute when you're off your feet and him just using that footwork later the line? Yeah, for sure. And it, all of it would just all come down to his defense, wouldn't it? I think in attack, we know what, what you'd get and he would be absolutely explosive. But do you think he could hold up for, you know, in 60, 80 minutes throughout the game playing in the 13 in defense? So like you'd, pro- you'd probably be able to hide him. You could probably shift him out. I mean, you and Aiken's a fantastic defender. Um, so you could shift RTS out to the centers and bring you and Aiken um, closer to the middle because he's, he's very solid there as well. So I think if you want to... Um, really show off RTS's attacking prowess. Yeah, definitely have him as a roaming 13, similar to a Tyrone Peachy, but don't make him defend as much as Peachy does. But look, Corey Parker doesn't talk a lot of sense, but but that really, uh, I was really, really enticed by that. Uh, what, do you mate, think of, uh, what do you think of putting Nick Arima up to the nine and then having uh, Reese Walsh into the six? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a bit harsh on Wade Egan because I, I don't think he's done anything wrong. He just doesn't 
excite me as a footballer, but I think he's very solid. But yeah, you could definitely interchange them, similar to what um, the Broncos do with uh, Jack Turpin and Denny Levi. I mean, Denny Levi comes on and provides a lot more spark. So you could probably have, um, what's his name, Egan there for the first half an hour just to really sort of lock down the defensive side of things. And then if you need a spark at the side of halftime, put Nick Arima at nine. I could definitely see that happening. Yeah, for sure. I think that that would be a way to go ahead and uh, sort of keep everybody. You keep RTS in the fullback position. You know, he's the top three fullback in the comp. So uh, bringing Reese Walsh into the 5'8", I think it would just bring so much more attack. Nick Arima into the nine. It'd be interesting. Yeah, but you hear all you hear all these things about young players and how good they are and they get to first grade and, and maybe fault on the lights. But we heard so many good things about um, Sam Walker. We heard so many things about Reese Walsh and both those boys have killed it. And uh, yeah, moved, moved away from their their junior clubs. But people that, that whinge about people leaving, like like talent leaving, um, I don't think the, the Broncos did, did enough to, to keep those boys around and definitely um, no begrudging them for leaving. Oh, for sure, they definitely gave them the punt. Like it, they have nobody to blame but themselves. I mean, they gave they gave them the punt, and then they had like fair enough. Like if you're going to give them the punt, that's cool because you've got Tom Dearden there, like who you can mold into your next half, which is fine. But then they gave Dearden the, the punt, and that yeah, it, not that it didn't sit well with me, but I can understand why someone like Xavier Coates would leave. He's just like, oh well, all this young talent around me is going and thriving on. Like, do you think that that played a role in Coates's um, departure? Like seeing Sam Walker thrive outside of the Broncos and seeing Walsh thrive outside of the Broncos. Man, if you have the choice of staying in the circus that is the Brisbane Broncos and the absolute roller coaster that's their their club at the moment with no culture, or going down to Melbourne and playing with arguably the best culture and one of the teams that just seems to have all the structure in the world, as a young player who has the potential to be one of the best wingers the game's ever seen, it's a very easy choice, isn't it? Well, like as a as a footy player, like money's fantastic. Don't get me wrong, but Coates is still so young. He's got plenty of time to make cash. If the Broncos offered me like five hundred k a year for like four years or the storm offered me like 300 K for two years. I definitely take the storm offer because you can develop into a much better footy player. Like look at um, plenty of players that have thrived in a system at the Melbourne storm and gotten paid a fortune when they've left. Uh, if Jerome Hughes ever left, he'd get paid a fortune. Uh, don't get me wrong. I think he's a good halfback, but I think that Melbourne storm system makes him better. So don't begrudge Xavier Coates one bit for trying to develop his future. But I think it's just a, a state of, of where the Broncos are at, unfortunately, for now. And they've got to pay overs for these older stars to try and rebuild some kind of aura. And I think the Adam Reynolds signing is fantastic. Uh, I just don't think it's going to solve the issues that they've got in, in the culture side of things. And I know you touched on that pretty heavily about uh, how there's issues going on in the background of Brisbane. Oh, definitely. And that, that's it. The, like, the Broncos thing isn't just going to be swept away. I look at Adam Reynolds and it can go one of two ways, can't it? He can come in and change the culture and sort of uh, bring young players in and bring you know, more talent in with him. Or it can go the way that he gets picks up an injury, comes back for a couple of games, picks up another injury, and then they've got a you know, 700K sort of a year uh, dent in their salary cap with the player not playing, the ups and downs that don't have the best of uh, sort of halfbacks playing for the rest of the season. So it is a little bit concerning. And I think when you had those players that you've lo- uh, let go of, it just, yeah, it must hurt to be a Broncos fan. Speaking of young talent, the Broncos looking to hoover up, uh, probably the best player in the NRL that isn't in their side's best 17, Nico Hines, 159. Uh, look, yeah, look, hopefully Pappy is is okay. Uh, terrible to see what happened to him. He's up talking, up walking around. So that's that's fantastic. But Nico Hines thrived, didn't he, mate? It was, uh, it was his afternoon. Unfortunately, upstaged by uh, by someone else later in the night, but 159 for, for Nico Hines is definitely nothing to be uh, stiffed at. 
It literally looks like Billy Slater as well. It looks like Billy Slater with long curly hair, but he absolutely killed it today, didn't he? He had the last touch on everything. I uh, brought Jerome Hughes in this week for Sam Walker, so I was very focused on this game to see how it all unfold. Really thought Jerome Hughes was going to go out there and put his uh, sort of mark on this game, but it turns out that it was the Nico Hines game. He did exactly what I thought Jerome Hughes was going to do, be the last touch in everything, either scoring the try himself or passing it on for the try. Um, he looked incredible this, uh, this afternoon, didn't he? Yeah, we'll we'll touch on we'll touch on the other scores quickly, but I, I wanted to to go over this Nico Hines dilemma. What happens with him for the rest of the year? Is Munster and Pappenhausen, they're obviously too good to leave out of the side. So they lock down the one and the six. But do you find a way for, for Nico Hines or is there just nowhere in that side that he gets in? I guess it depends, man. Like over origin, it's gonna be it's super interesting, is it? Do you what like why would you uh, Russia, a monster back in or a Pappenhausen, if they do play Origin, just rest them over this entire period and play somebody like a Nico Hines. Like, he's not going to be there next year anyway. So, if he picks up an injury, I know that sounds super harsh, but if he picks up an injury, so be he's going to be on with a different club. He's incredibly talented and you've got him for this year. You might as well use him. Like, you're not, well, you're not that, losing all that much. That's the thing, though, mate. Like, he, he could still be a Storm uh, player next year. He's just off contract. No one's signed him. No one's done nothing. But do, like, do you think you're wasting him playing him in the Matt Burton role, just shifting him into into the center? Because on the left side, they pick themselves. Addo Carr and Justin Ollum, they're not going anywhere. But on the right side, you've got Remus Smith and I think it's George Jennings. What? Do you experiment with the idea of playing Hines in the, on that right center? I mean, potentially. I'd probably push Remus Smith out onto the wing if that was the case, but... Uh, how long's Brinko Lee out for? He's got a couple of weeks away, isn't he? He'd surely come back into this side. And I don't know, man. He's, he's, he, he's signed to go to the Broncos, and maybe Bellamy's not keen to play him. That's true. Well, I mean, Nico Hines, I feel, is the kind of player that is probably sitting there. His agents probably said to him, like, look, you're going to get some time over this year. The only thing that's going to happen when you're that talented and you're in that good of a side is you're going to perform and you're going to make more money on your contract. So I'd imagine that he's just sort of holding out for that at the moment, but he's a, yeah, it's super, super talented. And I'm sure there's going to be plenty of teams sniffing around. Yeah. I don't think you'll be a storm player next year, but just curious as to if the storm try and do force him into that center mold to, to, to make him stay, because unfortunately he's not going to get a Jersey in the one or the six um, anytime soon, unless this new Brisbane side starts up and Munster does go like, like reported. That's not going to be for another two or three years, but that left side, mate, uh, we talked on Addo Carr departing for the, for the Bulldogs next year. It'll be a great signing for the Bulldogs. I don't think that's going to fix their issues, but for the storm side, mate, uh, I think he has nine, nine tries in, in two weeks, something ridiculous. I, mean, I haven't scored nine tries in my life, let alone two weeks. And he pumped out 111, uh, Cave Brom with an 83. Olam, we touched on him, mate. I think he's one of the most underrated players in the comp with a 74. Uh, your mate Jerome Hughes with a 69, uh, Big Nelson bagged a try for a 64, and Remus with a 63. But Melbourne, they looked, they looked, I wouldn't say out of it, but they were playing against 12 men in that first half and couldn't uh, put the the Dragons away. Is that a testament to the Dragons, or do you think the Storm were just not clicking? I think. When you have a team that goes down a player and it's 12 v 13, it's in all of the players' heads out there. And for the team that has 12 players, uh, it can really sort of gel a team together and sort of make them work harder for one another. And on the opposite end for the Storm, it can really get in their head that it's they're finding it hard to attack. And that's sort of what it looked like. It looked like they were getting really frustrated that they couldn't uh, get those points on the board. And then all of a sudden, it just sort of broke open, didn't it? And then from there, it just sort of, the floodgates opened and the Dragons looked rattled. I think they just ran out of gas, to be honest. I think they put all their effort into the first, what, 10, 15, minutes after uh, Tyrell got sent off and after that they were just Gonski. 
Now you touched on Tyrell, mate. Minus nine. Uh, one of the worst scores. If, if if you decided to loop uh Cleary or or not Cleary, if you decided to loop Turbo or, or Tedesco or whoever, um, if you've held Tyrell, that was your eight. It's it's not uh not pretty to look at. McCallie Ravalawa, captain in mid. <laughs> mate, the way the way you and I've been going, mate, I'm surprised we didn't. McCallie Ravalawa quietly uh went about his way and got 124, which baffled me. I I know he scored a couple of tries, but I didn't think he did much else. Uh, Josh Kerr, the 76. And the man that suffered an AC joint, who I was looking at as a pod move, Matt Dufty, he's out. How do we see the Dragons reshuffling? Because we know that that Jack Bird went back to fullback today, but isn't um, isn't Cody Ramsey naturally naturally a fullback? Yeah, well, I'd say that that Cody Ramsey probably get first crack, but I guess it depends how far uh, Zach Lomax is away. If he's still, well, I mean, originally what was it four to six weeks, but if he pulls the old Adam Reynolds and he comes back next week, you'd imagine he'd go into fullback. But uh, look, they've got a few, a few outside backs there, and I think you, you're probably not going to find they're going to have a specialist fullback by any means. Um, it'll just be one of the young guys covering, so it could be a bunch of different players at this point. I only ask because Max Fiego really intrigues me now because if, if Ramsey goes back to fullback or Berg goes back to fullback, um, that's probably going to allow uh, Fiego to play his natural position, which is center. And we know when he got big minutes in the last two weeks, he put on a pretty good base score. So uh, he's one I'm probably going to be looking at as well for, for Dane Gagai, the swap. He'll play around 13, but it's interesting to see how um, Hook Griffin is going to use them with that fullback mold. But Jack Bird didn't score fantastically on Supercoach today, only 41, but he's playing some of the best 40 of his career uh, in a position where you and I both didn't think he'd fit in the centers. He just looks confident again, doesn't he? He looks like, uh, I feel like when you sort of saw him at the start of the season, yeah, he looked good, but he looked like he was still sort of coming into his own and figuring himself out. But he looks full of confidence now. He knows that he's the star of this team or he knows he can at least be a star in this game. So uh, look, I think over the next couple of weeks, he's really going to be putting his hand up, especially if they do have a few players out. It'd be interesting to see if he went back to fullback. That, that's another one that we could be looking at as well. And if he does, he could definitely be a purchase. Yeah, I mean, he showed he's got the, the ball playing skills and uh, he's a big enough body to, to tackle and, and run at the line. So I wouldn't hate it. But I'm going to let you lead off this last game. The uh, the Titans 12, the Panthers 48. There's one name to talk about, one name only. I'm going to let you go with it, mate. Big Nathan Cleary, mate. Two, four, six. The new record holder, 246, absolutely smashed the old score out of the park by, what, 43 points? Yeah, uh, 203. Just a, an absolutely massive night. He looked he looked on from the get go. Look, Titans Titans lost the, that player at the start of the game. Uh, who was it? S A S A, mate, absolute yeah, goose. Big, big, to big be Herman. To be fair, how do you justify that? Like offside, intentional. Like it just it was not a good look at all. Like that. Insane. Like I know we've talked about all the sin bins and everything this uh, this podcast, but there were so many bad hits this week as well. It was just such a bad week for this rule to come in, and yeah. Just all combined. Anyways, kind of ruined that game. But the fact is that Nathan Cleary went out there and fucking torched the Gold Coast Titans. Uh, three tries. I don't know how many tries. This was probably what, three in there as well. Um, just absolutely brained it, mate. Absolutely brained it. Uh, Dylan Edwards, I thought, was incredibly uh, incredibly good tonight as well. Him and Isaiah Yo are uh, just feeding off Nathan Cleary. I don't know how much we take uh, NRLs to be coached live.com for Bible because they have been wrong in certain times, but they have him updating with 16 more points. Uh, they have a missed try, um, try contribution, which is four points, and a missed try assist, which is uh, 12 points. So that would take him uh, to 266 points, which would be phenomenal. Um, either way, the record was broken with 20 minutes left. Um, downgrades aren't going to stop this one like they did with, with Pappy or, or whatnot, but... Yeah, the record's broken. Uh, I didn't think it had come from Cleary, to be honest. With the scores we've seen from some of the outside backs and fullbacks, uh, I thought 
definitely be, be one of those. But, mate, my key head-to-head matchup, it was Charlie Staines and 50 points versus Luai and Toto. And that Titans right side defense is leaky. And I thought I was in for all money, but it was the Cleary uh, and Staines show. And Dylan Edwards as well. Uh, he had two try assists, a line break, a line break assist as well. He could be a pretty interesting prospect over Origin. Oh, definitely. Dylan Edwards, mate, has improved out of sight over the last two years. Uh, there was, I think it was 2019, Panthers reversing the storm in about round, I'm going to say round five or round eight. Is this when Anyways, he dropped about 1,000 balls? Munster stole the ball off him four times during the game, four times. I think they beat us by 40 points. It was one of the most painful games I've ever had to sit through, and he was fucking rattled for weeks. And since then, he is one of the best fullbacks in the comp and he's he's the best one of the best fullbacks in the comp in such a different way to so many different players like you look at Tedesco and Tom Travojevic and they just you can see that the, all the traits that they have and all the skill that they have really takes them over the edge whereas Dylan Edwards is incredibly smart like the bloke weighs about 69 kilos ring and wet and he yeah look Cleary is incredible but the players around him at the moment are something special as well and they, they heavily contribute to why Cleary looks so good. Now, feel good story, man. Jamal Hopgood um, obviously made his debut. Fantastic to see. Tragic story about him and his old man. Uh, but yeah, the Panthers continue to produce good young talent coming through. Mate, the Titans are they pretenders? Oh, I mean, it, it's hard, isn't it? They didn't have that. No, Ash Taylor. Not that Ash Taylor's been fantastic, but look, Ash Taylor's better than what they what they have in the halves at the moment. I don't know. Uh, I, think Tanner obviously... Boyd, I think Tanner Boyd's fine over Ash Taylor. He, he's been fucking shocking. Yeah, well, I mean, look, the options, what I'm getting at, the options aren't great, are they? They're not looking fantastic at all. They Um, need his contract. They they need his contract off the books, don't they? Oh, for sure. And what they need as well is they need a good hooker. Like, they desperately need a good hooker. Mitch Rain goes out there and busts his ass, but the fact is he's not skilled. He doesn't have a brain for footy like majority of the hookers do at the moment. And you can see it with Tino's game. Like, look at how good Tino was last year when he had Brendan Smith and Cameron Smith. What the way that he was running off the ball, the lines he was running, and it's just gone from his game at the moment. He he busts his ass every game, and I feel sorry for him, but he just doesn't get the opportunities uh, handed to him like he did last year. For anyone that didn't listen to the Park Footy podcast um, before Joe started coming on, uh, Joe was adamant that Cameron Smith would be playing for the Titans this year. Um, but you speak of a good hooker, mate, with another name of, of Smith. And do we see the cheese potentially heading up north? I hope so. I hope for Titans fans at sake. I hope they get anybody at this point, mate. I think there's a few hookers floating around. I think a, a Mitch Kenny as well will probably get a look at somebody from Penrith. Uh, look, hookers are it's such an important one, isn't it? I think the Bulldogs will be fighting uh, fighting over cheese as well. And imagine the money he's going to end up Katoa. getting. I think you're disrespecting Sione <sighs> Katoa here. <laughs> oh, mate, he looked good on the weekend. He had like three three line breaks. He looked okay. Yeah, and then he like dropped the ball or do some <laughs> dumb shit. He just oh, he the, can the, the cult the cult hero that is Sione Katoa. Yeah, look, he's fuck. He's atrocious, isn't he? Back, back to the Titans, mate. Look, I, I think they're they're struggling with with a nine. They're struggling with a good half, as as good as Fogarty is. I don't think he's he's that top tier um, style of half that's going to get you, I guess, the wins that you need. And and off the back of Fafita and Tina and whatnot, um, I'm I'm happy with their thirteen. I think Peachy's it's a very fine thirteen. Brimson's a very fine fullback. Um, but yeah, their spine. I think they're missing two two key parts of their spine to to be a real challenger. Their forwards, I think, can compete with anyone on their day. Um, you've got you've got Jared Wallace, you've got uh, Tino, you've got Fafida, you've got Kevin Proctor, uh, Peachy as well. But yeah, struggling with it with a nine, um, a seven or a six, and then potentially another outside back to, to partner Brian Kelly uh, as well. I think they're struggling with it, with a genuine outside back threat. Uh, if they had the money and he didn't re-sign, someone like Tony Staggs would have been a fantastic pickup as well. But 
yeah, look, I think if they make the top eight this year, cool. If not, I don't think it's the end of the world. I think it's definitely a rebuilding year for them. As I said, when they get this Ash Taylor money off the off the books, I think they've helped them too. But there's one name to talk about here and one name only, Nathan Cleary. Take your hat off. 246 with updates to come. Uh, new Supercoach record. Didn't captain him, which is uh, shocking. But, mate, how would you, how'd you feel about this weekend overall for Supercoach? How did you go? Yeah, super coach. Look, I, I had a bit of a rough one, to be honest. Again, I, I went into it very confident. I ended up on 1262, and this is before recounts. Um, I captained Isaiah Papali, like I touched on, which fucking breaks my heart every single time I say it. He got me 96 with the captaincy. So, um, look, if I had to put it on someone like a Nathan Clear, I'd be sitting right up there uh, at the very tippy top. Uh, and without it, unfortunately, I am sort of right in the middle there. How about yourself? Uh, yeah, I it was coming into this day. I was looking for a pretty good score. I thought I was going to ship back up the leaderboard, but finished with a thirteen twenty two. I mean, I'll take thirteen hundred every day of the week. But I was leading nine out of my ten leagues uh, coming into today, and I'm now leading three of them. Scores unofficial. We're recording this at nine thirty on the Sunday, but yeah, I mean thirteen twenty two. I don't know. I think I don't think I'm going to lose ground, but I definitely won't be making up as much as I thought I would. But yeah, a bit, there's plenty of guys on the captain Pappy as well, which which was heartbreaking. But yeah, we, we live and learn. Um, there will be no episode tomorrow. Joe and I did the longer one tonight because I have plans tomorrow. But uh, yeah, thank you very much, Joe, for coming on. Uh, that's going to be the wrap up of Magic Round slash Round 10. Uh, I'll be back on Tuesday with the Teamless Tuesday Fallout. Joe will be back on Wednesday. We'll talk some more shit and go from there. But keep your friends close and keep your pods closer. And change the rules. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 